0: That was really interesting because on the lunch break we were sitting there playing in the grass with my hand subconsciously and when we got up to go inside there was a four leaf clover in my hand and we just couldn't believe it that for us was a massive sign and that really became the catalyst for making the decision to open our own business. The neighbour ran across the road and said, do you know Ash? She goes, I just have to tell you, Ash made a phone call to my friend the other night and it saved her life. I just got chills because I remember how strong that feeling was of needing to do something. And, you know, I talk about intuition a lot, but it's a really good example of it. And that's something that's come out of this as well. Listening to your intuition, it's so important. And it's so easy to miss the signs or to ignore the signs that we all get. It's funny, I remember I was, it was middle, it was about June 2016, I was driving to work and I just remember thinking, geez, life is good. You know, I'm thinking, nothing really bad has happened to me. I've got some beautiful family, I've got great friends, I've got this lovely business, I've got a great partner, and then it all changes.
1: Hi everyone and welcome to the Y2 Podcast, where I interview interesting and noteworthy people to learn about their journeys and specifically look to understand their beliefs, values, mindset, and the resources they use to get started and succeed on their journey. I'm your host Dustin Elliott and before I introduce you to today's guest, I want to take a very quick minute and thank Y2 Podcast's first official sponsor YZ. YZ is an easy to use online training software that makes it so simple to create and deliver online training. I actually love this product so much, I reached out to these guys and wanted to work with them as I see the power of their system for clients. The online training software is very flexible and you can use it to automate a whole range of tasks in your business. For example, you can manage all of your employee training, train customers and partners on your products, track licenses and qualifications of your staff, create and sell online courses, capture more leads by creating free online courses, and so much more. Make sure you jump over to their website, YZ.com, that's W-Y-Z-E-D dot to check out some videos and even get your own 14-day free trial and let them know I sent you when you uh, hop on over. But getting back to today's interview, and my guest today is Ash Martin, director and co-founder of Ash Martin Realty. Now, at the young age of 21 and only with a few years of experience and after a rather serendipitous moment at a Tony Robbins conference, Ash and his business partner Lily resigned from their job and opened the doors to the very own real estate agent, and with no money as well too. From there, Ash and his business have risen to meteoric levels, with appearances on Selling Houses Australia and Sky News, as well as being selected as a finalist at the Industry REB Awards for Innovation of the Year and Residential Agency of the Year. However, my favorite of Ash's accomplishments is that he's been invited to Arnold Schwarzenegger house in California in 2016, 2017 and headed back in 2018 as well too. From a make or break moment in his real estate career to growing an office with a team of over 17 and grand plans into the future, Ash is a truly incredible example of a man who's taken life head on and achieved so much in a short amount of time. This chat is an absolute must for anybody who doesn't feel they have what it takes to get started, whatever they might want to do in life. We talk tactics about using your lack of experience to your advantage, the importance of goal setting, compromise, and probably most importantly, listening to your intuition. But with that being said, let's get to today's chat. Ash, welcome to the Y2 Podcast. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to today as always uh, big shout out to Andrew Vandenbeek for the very warm introduction to yourself um, I know when I had a chat with Andrew a while back in terms of reaching out to him say you know Andrew who else do you know that's incredible like yourself um, he mentioned your name actually through our conversation and I know from there I did a bit of research all right who's this who's this Ash Martin guy uh, good thing you have an amazing Google presence <laughs> and your name popped up um, and having a bit of a look at yourself and through your website obviously we'll, we'll talk about you know what you do and, and, and you know who you are kind of thing mm-hmm. shortly, but uh, you know, at a pretty much the same age as myself, you have an absolute amazing list of accomplishments in terms of uh, what yourself and your business has been able to achieve. So um, I can't think of somebody uh, you know as a better example to be able to sit down with today. So Mike, thanks, thank so much you for your very, time. very much. So, so as always, we we want to go back and we want to sort of go back to the to the humble beginnings of uh, you know uh, of Ash Martin, who is Ash Martin, um, and for yourself. You started a business at 21, but for us, we want to go back to Mm -hmm. your very first business. And I'd love if you could take us through your uh, very interesting entrepreneurial journey. What a way to start. Um, (laughs) I think it was year
0: seven um, or year eight. Me and my friend had this brilliant idea of selling condoms to other children at school. And it really took off. We were selling (laughs) for, for, for what would have been... I don't know what a packet was back then, but four or five dollars probably. Um, we were getting four or five dollars each for a condom, so we're making <laughs> That's good some decent money, but yeah, yeah. We, we soon got um, put out of business when the teachers got onto that. So What?
1: <laughs> Why did they end up stopping
0: you? Do you remember? Uh, I, I mean, I don't think you even needed an excuse to, it's not it's not very um. Not very in line with probably the school's rules and principles, I would think.
1: Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. So no, that's uh, look. I think at the same time, what a uh, what a great service to be able to provide at least. So we just lost uh, half the
0: listeners, I'm sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, that's okay. That's all right. Um, now, f- from there, um, we'll, we'll talk shortly about you know, your transitions mm-hmm. into real estate and, and where you are today. But growing up as a kid, you, you talked, you, we spoke a little bit before that, you know, you really defined yourself and, and were a very inquisitive kid, weren't you in terms of talking to strangers and, you know, wanting just to be very curious of people. I'd love if you could take us a little bit more, you know, who, where did that come yeah, from? What did I, it look like?
0: I grew up on property. So, um, my mom was a receptionist. My dad's a mechanic that works from home and mom did a lot of work in the business. Um, But I was very inquisitive. I mean, my idea of a great afternoon when I got home from school was to run down the train line and look for snakes and lizards and catch (laughs) them and take photos of them. And that was really my idea of a great day. Um, I had very supportive parents for the most part. I mean, I put them through hell when I think about it now. My poor mum, you know, there was times when she'd come when I'd be at school and I had an incubator under my bed one day and chickens hatch while I was at school and... (laughs) Another afternoon, I think she found a snake in a tub under the bed as well. So they've been put through hell. <laughs> um, but no, I had great parents that didn't hold, back, hold me back from my passions. I was, when I was interested in something, I was, I was obsessed with it. You know, I, as, I, as I just said, like I had pets galore, um, but they really embraced that and supported it. And I think just to go in touch on what you said before, I just found myself hanging out with adults. I really, for some reason, was more attracted to hanging out with the adults and getting involved in that conversation.
1: When you were when you were speaking with the adults, I'm really curious about this. Were they speaking to you as a child or as just kind of another person? If that makes sense,
0: I never felt as a, like I always felt in some ways that I had something that that was different to the other kids because of the way that I was communicated with, even mm-hmm. subconsciously. But I definitely felt that, and they were not. Um, belittling in their communication that's for sure
1: mm. and when they were speaking to you did, did you really know what they were going on like I'm just trying to think like what would an adult be talking to a kid trying to even take myself back to the conversations I had when I was a young lad but do you, do you remember the things that they were talking to you about was it any particular thing I that you were really it was more
0: me in, being inquisitive as to what they were doing mm. you know so maybe it was the type of questions I was asking that got their response perhaps
1: hmm Interesting. Very I can imagine he is a very talkative little kid running around checking <laughs> <around laughs> out what's going yeah. on. So um now through uh now as you grew up through high school, what were your career aspirations at that point? And obviously we you know your So many.
0: I mean there was for a long time I wanted to be a veterinarian. Um I wanted to get into comedy later. As I got into probably year nine and ten, I thought I'm going to write a sitcom. In fact, I did write one. Um, I still have it, and that's what I thought I was going to do. And then about ten, year ten, I had done work experience at a real estate company, so that kind of opened my mind to the possibility of that. And I just really liked that it was people based. Mm -hmm. You know, I've said before that you know if I got on a plane and didn't make the person next to me laugh or speak to the cashier at the checkout, I wasn't again, wasn't fulfilled. Mm -hmm. I loved that stuff. So. To have a, a job that really was, yeah, was was through communicating with people, that was ideal. And that's what, yeah, sparked my interest in it.
1: How did that job, up, how did that work opportunity, or the, sorry, the, uh, yeah, the work opportunity come out? Was it it's just a work experience? So work I just put in
0: an application at an agency and they said, you can come down for two weeks and I did.
1: And do you remember what your first couple of days were in terms of starting mm-hmm. to get yourself immersed in that?
0: Yeah, it was it was a lot of door knocking, um, not to speak, but just door knocking with with brochures and pamphlets. Um, so you're
1: just dropping them off, yep. basically, just repping the the agency kind of yep. thing? Yeah. I was
0: very lucky. I got to go to a few appraisals with agents as well, and that was just super interesting to me, like going into other people's homes and, you know, seeing how other people lived and just, I was just completely captivated by it.
1: Really? Were you speaking to people at that point, the, the clients? Or the, the to, a, to a
0: point, I mean, I was a work experience kid, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, so there was only so much you could say that was relevant like, or, <laughs> or, or helpful, but um, enough to make me feel like, um, there was something in it for me. Mm.
1: Was I'm really curious, was there anything in particular that you you felt you noticed more often than not about people's houses when you first walk in? Like I know for myself when when I first mm-hmm. walk in, I'm really, really curious how their kitchen's set up. I think a kitchen talks a lot about uh-huh. how a person lives kind of thing. And there's a whole kind of weird analysis. I'm sure that I could probably go into that. Yep. But for yourself, was there anything that you know really stuck out at you? Is that being
0: I would suggested? say the difference in people's Perception of what clean is, you know. For some people, it's everything spotless, not a drop of dust anywhere, and for others, it's the remotes straight on the edge of the couch. You know, you know yeah. like they're very, yeah. very different contrasts. So I find that very interesting. Always,
1: yeah, absolutely, obviously. Oh, sorry, I said obviously as uh, oh, yeah. trying, <laughs> not, trying not to say certain things. There we go. There's, there's one. But uh, I, I can't even remember what I said I was going to move on there. Now, once you came to graduation, what was your first opportunity? Because you, you didn't end up going to uni. I didn't. I mean, students, didn't
0: in, essentially I failed high school. I got a, a less than 10 sticker. i say I got a 9.9% enter <laughs> score. So that really limited my ability to even apply for university. Not that I had any interest in doing it, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't have been able to regardless. Um, so there was an opportunity to I got an opportunity at least to interview for a sales role or lead generation role actually at a real estate company in Frankston. Mm-hmm. Um, went for the interview and beautiful lady, she hired me almost on the spot. Um, Do you remember
1: why she hired you on the spot? Like, What, what does a 18, 19 year old... To Italy, I still the think she
0: was crazy to have done it because I had white hair, I had, you know, white belt, white shoes. I would not have hired me, <laughs> you know, times. even yeah. to this day, as much <laughs> as I like to see the the best in somebody. I, I didn't look like a real estate agent. And look, at the end of the day, as I said, it was lead generation I was hired for. And that's what I guess I was in-house to do.
1: So when this role opportunity came up, were you specifically focused on trying to get then into the real estate agent? Or Definitely. I think, yeah. I mean,
0: look, you, you, I had such a limited understanding of real estate, so any opportunity was going to be appealing to me.
1: So really just looking for that first just got, step just in, the foot just anywhere in. kind of thing. Yep. So.
0: so got hired and the, my first two weeks was just cold calling. So just calling people, trying to book appraisals for other salespeople. And then it was really interesting because the woman that hired me two weeks in got fired. The CEO of that business flew down took me into the boardroom and just said that, you know, this person's now not in the business and you can either leave as well because there's no one really here to manage you or you can become PA to one of the directors, which I really didn't want to do. Um, or the third option was to go into sales. And I genuinely feel like that was really um, – they probably didn't believe that I would have made it in sales yeah. and that would have been a very quick way for me to walk out the door very quickly. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: um, but that's what I decided to do. I took the, the punt and I, I said I would, I would give it a crack.
1: So, from this, as we spoke about before, I find this really interesting. So I know, I myself, I'm perhaps a bit more sort of fear-adverse, or adverse yes. Mm-hmm. Um, in that moment, do you have any thoughts about, oh, crap, that's it. This, maybe I'll just, I'll find a new opportunity kind of thing? Not at all.
0: I mean, it kind of comes from the same place. I mean, it was fear. I didn't want to be PA to one of the directors because I didn't want someone else in a lounge room listening to the way I communicated to a client because I was so self-conscious of that. And I knew if I had someone watching, I would have just been a train wreck.
1: So what do you mean? Was, I'm, I'm curious about this too. So when you say self-conscious speaking to a client. You've just done a lead gen where you're speaking mm-hmm. to people. So what would be the difference between you? Well, I mean,
0: lead generation is one thing, but actually going into someone's lounge room, listing their home for sale, having mm-hmm. that person entrust their home with you, it's, it's very, very different. And that in itself was enough pressure for me, just having to fake it in a sense till you make it. You've got no results. So... To then have the pressure of someone else judging every word that you are saying to someone, Mm. I I wouldn't have been able to deal with it, which is why I said, I'll just go out on my own.
1: So you just went, that's it. I'll go into the sales role. So how does somebody who, you know, with the white belt and, you know, the white hair and the white shoes Mm -hmm. start a sales role? Because I know... Uh, at least my my idea about real estate mm-hmm. is if you probably walked in or an eighteen year old kid walked in,
0: what do they know? What do they know? Yep. Like
1: you probably don't even own a home. Yep. How can you sell mine? How can you negotiate a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars deal? Uh-huh. I mean, how does how does one make that gargantuan step into to real estate from sale? I have
0: to say the power of enthusiasm is high in this in this industry because f- for me I really became the expert so. You know, I was learning things that I don't think any other salesperson would have given their energy to. So I would learn the bus routes. Um, I went and there was an accountancy practice in the patch that I was working. I went and started doing my accountancy through there. There was a psychic in there. I went and did a reading there. I got my haircut in there. So all those things, I, hmm. I really felt I became a true area specialist. So when I was talking to a client, I was able to say, there's no other agent that's going to be able to tell you or a client or, or a buyer that the 770 bus comes through here at 430 and 10 PM every day. You know, and I was able to really sell them on that. Mm. Um, I mean, and second to that, instead of just knowing the homes that have sold, like I really knew them. I had been through every photo of them, I'd looked at their history, I had documented it all into Excel spreadsheets. So there really wasn't a question I could be posed from a client that I couldn't answer in some way through those statistics and through those visuals. And I think that just um, invoked confidence I guess in from the client's perspective anyways in what I was saying that it, I could do it um, and ignorance is bliss I think too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: absolutely I think we'll, we'll probably speak a little bit more yeah. of that I don't know that's been an interesting topic that you and I have been discussing a yes. bit and it's becoming a, a more ever-reoccurring theme through the podcast but just to go back to that as, as a young man trying to step into that then were you mentored to say hey you should go look at these things. Like, you know, somebody that sat down with you and said, look, here's your unfair advantage. And here's maybe some ways you can do that. Like how, how did you make those decisions to actually go get your haircut and go get the accounting down to that one, that one place? I just,
0: it was just a gut feeling. Like I just needed, I just knew I needed to do anything I could to give me the next leg up. Um, you know, I could give you 20 examples of things that I did as I was, you know, some neighbour might have been out the front. I would stop and write them a thank you card or write them a, mm. a letter to say how beautiful their garden was. And it was all from a genuine place. But all that stuff compounded and it it obviously eventuated, which we'll probably get into soon. But, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think this is great. Um, I think there's probably one universal challenge that most people will face in their life is how to make that first step into whatever career they're going into or maybe even later down the road when they look to transition as well too. Um, And it's obvious... Said obvious again. I think that's how I mentioned that, I think that is obvious to them yeah. at the time that they don't have the necessary experience yeah. and background and connections. It's easy to look at somebody else and say, "Hey, they they're better at their job," kind of thing. So
0: but you can what- always find an angle, though. Exactly. I think you know, use your disadvantages to your advantage. You know, sometimes being fresh is enough of an advantage that you're not limited by the perception of the market, for instance, or being young. For instance, you might not have family and kids to get home to at 5 and 6 o'clock. You probably are the agent that's going to get up at 7 a.m. on a Sunday morning, drive down to the property and do what needs to be done to get a sale. I don't think that's going to be true of someone in their 50s or heading into their retirement that have other priorities Mm -hmm. in their life. So that's what I was able to focus on and convey.
1: Yeah. Now, from there, uh, you were in that role for, I think, about eight months. But Mm -hmm. as I know you're very famous for, you took a very... Unconventional approach. I mean, it makes sense (laughs) when we say it out loud, but in a sales based environment, a bit of an unconventional approach. Uh, Can you take us through a little bit of what that actually was?
0: Sure. So, I mean, when we say unconventional, I guess we're talking about generally speaking, you focus on sales and that's kind of the mentality. But my view was if you focus on sales, it's very short term gratification. You might just get by. And I was more focused on building long term relationships and, you know, giving energy to people that probably aren't going to sell in the next six or 12 months you know, in the hope that when they do sell, because of the relationship that they would choose me. So, you know, if you were to look at my figures in that first six or seven months, they were terrible. I had, I think, one or two listings on the book, but I had an amazing database of upcoming business, and I really believed that. So at month six or seven, when, again, that CEO came down, he'd put on a new sales manager at that time. New sales manager took me upstairs and said, you know, actually, I think I was close to 10,000 in the red, my retainer. And he said, you've got two weeks to get out of the red or unfortunately, we're just not going to have a position here. And I just remember pleading with him saying, I've got this property here and I've got you know this home at three, the helm as well. And he actually laughed at me because uh, it was a property that had been on and off the market for about six years. Mm. And it had had about eight different agents on it. It was overpriced. <laughs> and It actually was. <laughs> yeah. And I said, I've got this property and I just believed it would sell. And he said, you know, good luck, basically. Yeah. And I left that meeting just feeling so drained and victimized and how could he not see what I'm doing? But he wasn't there to see it and I can't blame him and I've now got a different perception of that being a director myself. But at the time, it was the worst thing that Mm. happened. And what was really interesting was as I left that meeting, someone rang on that property the same day, (laughs) the same day, and inquired on it, wanted to get through it. I took her and her partner through, Greta and Pete and they bought the property <laughs> and it was a little under a million dollars but the commission was just on 30,000 so mm. it paid off my entire retainer and put me ahead and gave me my first commission check and that was really my saving grace and it changed the trajectory of my life
1: wow that's a, that's incredible I didn't, I didn't realize it was actually that same property mm. that they just said was impossible to sell you managed Mind to worrying. cinch it right then and there yeah. as well too um, just to go back to this idea again that how did somebody again mentor you around this idea of creating relationships I mean I know I've I've worked a sales role before and yeah you've got a target you you have a target on your back and it's very much like uh, you know as much as I altruistically like you know the products and, and the services I sell mm-hmm. I also like to eat from time to time as well too and sometimes <laughs> Sometimes focusing on the relationship as the primary aspect versus the sale isn't said always conducive to sort of the business rationale. So just to kind of go through that idea again, why why were you focused on the relationship versus the sale? Why not just hunting and trying to you know the ABCs always because it's short
0: term gratification. Like if you're really trying to build a successful business, it's momentum. You know, and people that are selling today, you've got whatever percentage chance of getting it, but. If you've, you're building relationships with new people every day that are going to sell in one, two, three, four, five years' time, you can pretty much guarantee a far greater percentage of that business, I think, mm. if you've got a strong relationship with them. so And you're adding value to them with really no short-term expectation, and that's quite powerful for people when it comes time to actually making that that sales decision.
1: Mm. And again, was that something that you just came upon? Subconscious. And just,
0: it really was. Yeah. I, I genuinely enjoyed and loved talking to people. Yeah. I was literally up at 8 o'clock and I didn't get home to 8 p.m. every night for the first <laughs> two years. But I, it didn't feel like work to me. I just loved it. Yeah,
1: I think just to, just to uh, expand on as well too, and this is again becoming a reoccurring theme, something that at least... I know something that I've been really focusing on as well, too, is this idea of relationships. Uh, I think Rohit Bagava um, uh, did a really good job summarizing, summarizing this, but it's about creating value in people's mm-hmm. lives as well, too. So you can create value with not necessarily wanting something back as well, too. Uh, it's incredible the the growth that can come out of that and the opportunities that maybe you don't see, too. And you might And I've been bad for this. I've talked about this. I've gone to networking events, try to go, I need three emails out of this kind of thing. Um, And I realized looking back on that, I've probably missed out on a lot of opportunities because I was so narrow-minded on, I need this out of this person that I, A, did I really create value in their life? No, ah, probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I missed out on something that was even bigger, even even more grand than what I was just trying to get out of there as well too. And uh, maybe somebody has something that is of greater value to me, but I, I don't know that. Yes. Uh, but I haven't bothered to create a relationship and try to understand that and what value I can give back to them. So um, I think, yeah.
0: Yeah, I didn't even have that perception of gain. And I think that was really helpful. I think you almost in some regards are taught that as you get older to, you know, you trade time for money or mm. you do this, you expect that. But as a as a young man, I just wanted to give, give, give. Mm. That's all I wanted to do. And it's funny, some of the greatest opportunities have come from acts of genuine kindness. And um, I mean, just it's probably a little bit off topic, but I remember there was a guy that rang the office one day and he views the hell out of me because I had I think I'd cold called him or dropped something in his letterbox and he had a no junk mail sticker or something like that. Um, and instead of, you know, going off, I hung up and I wrote him a nice card apologizing and I sent him a a $50 Bunnings card. And then about a month later, I got a letter in the mail handwritten from him apologizing and explaining that he will never speak to a salesperson like that again. And I basically changed him in the way that he saw those types of people. Mm. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that was really powerful.
1: Yeah, no, that's incredible. That's incredible, Matt. The impact that you've probably made on that person's life from you know, what is, what, five minutes to, to write a card kind of thing? That's, uh, that's incredible. Uh, now, from there, you actually ended up uh, turning that almost about to be walked out the door into an award too, didn't you?
0: It, it all just snowballed. It was, it was funny. From that sale, um, I then became Rookie of the Year for the Harcourts Network. I can't remember what year that was, 2009 or 10. Um, I think I did 242000 in my first full year. And as I said, it, it just snowballed. All those listings that I'd been working on and those relationships I'd building, they came onto the market <laughs> and they came with me. And, you know, there was no concessions with commissions. They trusted me and I was really wanting to help them. And yeah, it just became what
1: it became. Mm. Just to go back for one last time, not to beat this idea too much, but <laughs> when you were going down this path, did you did you believe that it was the right path or was it something you were trying out and having a go and then building confidence as he started to get those listings and the positive feedback kind of thing. Like A what, bit of both. To go back to that, what was your, in your mind thinking in there? I think
0: I was, I mean, I was nervous, don't get me wrong, but I really did believe I was the best person for the job because I'd put so much energy into learning about their marketplace that no one would be able to have a stronger conversation with the buyer than I would be able to. Mm. I went through all the competitors' opens. Like I really believed that and it was that belief that I was able to convey that probably – gave me the confidence, you know, to be able to have those conversations and that's what, what really helped it.
1: So not this like artificial, like, I'm Ash Martin, I'm the best, but it actually was. going like, no, I've done the data and I'm the best because of, well, of this I n- system. I that. never
0: focus on my negotiation ability and that was never the angle I took in a presentation. It was very facts-based mm-hmm. and even in my negotiation to this day, it's still very facts-based. It's not, there's no... Clever <laughs> spins on negotiations. It's just the facts.
1: You're not doing the whole spin-selling method. I don't think you need <laughs>
0: to. Like, the bullshit yeah. radar on people in this day and age is yeah. so spot on. You can't pull it off, I don't think.
1: Yeah, totally. No, if I could echo that as well too. I think that's, that was very much an old-school way of thinking and they need to stop yeah. training that. It needs to be about, yeah, relationships, value creation. Relatability. And- yeah, those sort of aspects there, and, and EQ, and anyway, I could, can, I could, uh, I could do a whole TED talk on this. It's something I'm really passionate about. But anyway, moving from there, now you transitioned out of that role and essentially kind of semi one on your own after that, didn't you? So we went from
0: that business into a subcontractor, uh, subcontractor-based business for a short period of time, about a year and a bit. Um, and I guess that gave us a foundation for I won't say running a business, but gave me an understanding of BAS and some of the basic business principles.
1: Because you're um, essentially, if I understand correctly, you are still a real estate agent working under a brand, yeah. but you're essentially a, a mini business in terms in of you're sense, managing yeah. your own sort of yeah uh, accounting and in a sense probably driving your own marketing as well too, but just obviously under somebody else exactly
0: brand. Umbr- yeah. under the umbrella of another business yeah. yeah.
1: And then um, I'm curious when you were going through that process, were you deliberately trying to learn that? Like, was that a deliberate step? Not at of trying no, no, it was just something you just took the role and no.
0: And for years, I'd said even you know I could I talk about it a lot, but. I so many times said to my parents, I would never want to leave the very first business I was in. I'd never want to leave. Um, I love it so much. And you know, obviously the culture changed there, and I ended up obviously leaving that business. But I never had the ambition of, at least at that time, having uh, an agency. But what is actually very interesting is I say that, but then I looked very recently back at a letter that I'd written to my year seven teacher when we first went when we first went to the school, mm. and we had to explain who we are and what we're about, and in it, there's a quote right at the bottom and it says, for the longest time I wanted to be a veterinarian, it's only the last few years that I've considered maybe wanting to be a real estate agent (laughs) and potentially one day have my own business. I'd forgotten completely about that, but how funny you put it out there. And now, you know, probably ten what ten years later, that is the reality. So yeah. I'm a huge believer in writing down goals. I think I've spoken to you this yeah. about this before, but I think that's super important and amazing what can come of it.
1: Well, just to deviate away for a sec, I think, yeah, the way you write goals has certainly been something I've been thinking a lot about. And and um, even this idea of writing it down for the sake of sort of putting it in your subconscious and it coming around kind of thing, right? Which is probably an argument mm-hmm. to be made for, you know, there you kind of forgot about it, but it was sort of stuck in your subconscious in terms of, you know, helping you to Must drive and guide you kind of away. So um, just, just give you away for a sec. Can you take us through your goal setting? Because I think that's, you do probably better than most people I know.
0: Thank you. No, I, I think it's so important. I think, you know, people probably don't break it down enough. They'll just think goals or write down three or four things that they think are important to them. But I like to break it down into eight or nine categories. So look at your health, look at your relationships, look at your business, look at your finances, you know, and give each one of those categories some attention for five minutes Mm -hmm. you know and if you just put two or three down make sure they're measurable but I think the real value is actually putting them somewhere you're going to see them and not on the back of a door in the bathroom I think I have mine laminated in the shower (laughs) I stick them up with double-sided tape and they normally fall down every six months by themselves and for me that's a very good visual for you know probably now is the time to rewrite them
1: absolutely when it comes down If you can take us a little bit deeper, what, like, can you give us an example of maybe what some of your goals are at the moment? Like, how do you sort of define the goals in your head? So you said you broke it down into categories, Mm -hmm. some measurable. Can you give us some examples? Well, a lot of them are
0: health goals. You know, I'd like to get to 75 kilos by the end of the year. Um, I'd like to drink a lot more water. So some of them are very, very basic. Um, My family goals are just to have lunch with my mum and my dad once a week or once a fortnight. So just keeping it conscious day to day. If you're at Wednesday or Thursday in the week and you haven't done that, you think, Shit, I must, I must book that. Mm. Um, so they're all very much of that nature.
1: Mm. Excellent. Now, from here, you were subcontracting in the role, but at this point, you were about to take a quite a dramatic into mm-hmm. Take um, that. We
0: were. It was. It was a funny time because my business partner Lily and I. We'd worked in the same business. We both worked in the first one together, second one, and then we opened our company together. But we were just over it. We thought this just isn't for us. And you know, I'd written a resume to a marketing company in the city, and she had started to apply for jobs at real estate companies in Melbourne, um, in the commercial space. So we were going to take a complete shift, and. It was just it was ironic what happens. I was teaching part time at the TAFE as well at this time, but um we went to a, a conference in the city, a Tony Robbins conference, and the whole day was really just about doing it now. Like there's no right mm. time to do anything in life. So that was really interesting because on the lunch break we were sitting there, I was playing in the grass with my hand subconsciously and when we got up to go inside there was a four leaf clover <laughs> in my hand, in my fingertips, and we just couldn't believe it. that for us was a massive sign. And that really became the catalyst for making the decision to open our own business.
1: Mm. So once that happened, and I assume you and Lily had kind of been talking a bit before about doing that. Um, what did you do? Well, after not that? really. Well,
0: we'd very loosely discussed it, but yeah. just thought, you know, if that was ever going to happen, it's going to be years down the track. And, you know, it was just joining those dots. Well, why not now? And then, that is what happened. We made the call. All right, let's let's give this some energy. And around the same time, I had gone to the Christmas party for the TAFE where I was teaching part-time um, and one of the other teachers there was a real estate agent and he, again, was working part-time too. And I overheard a conversation where he had been told by someone, oh, you'll have a lot more free time on your hands. And <laughs> when I started chatting, chatting with him later, I, I said, oh, Neil, what, why are you going to have so much free time? Yeah, What's that about? And he said, Oh, I'm getting out of the industry and I'm closing it down. And he goes, If you ever want to come and have a look at the, you know, the office and whatnot, you're welcome to. And even then I still thought it might not be now. Mm. But I did. I went and had a look at, you know, his office and looked at the figures and, you know, when I looked at what it was costing him to run his business, I thought, geez, if Lily and I could just continue doing the same figures we're doing now. We could at the very least keep the doors open. Mm. How ignorant. Anyways, <laughs> that, that, that was, yeah. that had i known the reality. <laughs> but that was what made us feel comfortable enough to make the call. Um, we struck a deal with him. I think it was, we paid him 12000 And as part of that, we we're going to take over all his intellectual property. So printers. Mm. And as part of that agreement, he was going to remain in the business and teach us trust accounting and all the things that we didn't have any experience in. And as I said, that's what made us feel comfortable doing it. The reality is obviously very different. I think we're on our third or fourth day and we had this grand Leo vision for this company that was super efficient and high quality and everything schmick and fast and that, was that sort of philosophy. Mm. And then I realised we could only print in black and white, <laughs> one-sided <laughs> and one page a minute. <laughs> and then Lily says we're doing trust accounting but all the all the record keeping is handwritten in a A4 booklet <laughs> oh, and, and, and you know, yeah. alarm bells are going off and we made a really tough call very soon into that, that four month period that we're just going to learn this on our own. And Lily did an amazing job because she's, she's a salesperson by nature. So she got her head around trust accounting like nothing else yeah. and took complete ownership of that. At the same time, she was running reception. At the same time she was helping me with sales. Um, It was just the two of us, so, you know, she would be in there for six or seven hours at a time, not being able to go to the bathroom, not being able to go and grab lunch because I was on the road. Like, it was a really intense time.
1: Do you remember the feeling of Uh the third and fourth day in to go all of a sudden that you'd put the money in, you'd obviously left your jobs, like, you were all in at this (laughs) point? There's no security blanket. Um, Do you remember the feeling of all of a sudden going, oh, crap, we're just going to have to figure this out on our own? There was never,
0: um, it was very, I mean, don't get me wrong, it was quite scary, but I, I still always felt like we would be okay, mm. even so. Why do you think that? Because um, we had to be. <laughs> I think, it was, I mean, if you, if you let your head go into that place, goodness, I don't think you would get through it.
1: Failure is not an option. It,
0: it wasn't an option.
1: Yeah. So you, how old were you at this point? When Twenty, uh, 22. 22. 22. And I always spoke of this before we started rolling today, but the thing that still rolls through my mind is I... Uh, Even just to think back at what I was doing at 22 and what most people were probably, if they think back when they were 21, 22, um, probably their thought wasn't to go start a business in a highly competitive, quite cutthroat, um, if it's okay, I can say that, industry (laughs) of real estate. Um, I mean, why did you think you could do it? Why did you think you could make it?
0: I don't know. Like we had, I guess I can put it down to having enough strong beliefs around enough elements of the real estate journey. Um,
1: in terms of having already known you could sell and build Well, a I mean
0: that too, but I mean more well, we had strong beliefs around customer service. Mm-hmm. We had beliefs around efficiency in the way things should be conducted. So, we had a bit of a culture already, I think. You know, and that obviously is our culture now, but we had that enough of a, a business uh, blueprint, if you like,
1: I would say. Mm-hmm. The other thing as well I find really fascinating from this journey to, to go back to, you know, 22, 23, 24, even mm-hmm. if I can. And as you grow, it, inevitably a business needs to then also take on staff. Yeah. So, how does somebody who hasn't gone through an HR course or hasn't done any sort of formal training around leadership or management, anything like that, how does somebody go on to take on uh, a salesperson and start to build your team out? Can you take us through that part of the journey?
0: Well, for the first, yeah, sure. For the first year, it was just us two, and towards the end of 2012, we put on an administrator, mm-hmm. and then we put on our first salesperson. Um, who is still with us today. And I think often it's about building it before they come. So the office space next door to us opened up and we made a tough call with, again, once again, no money, more <laughs> sacrifice um, to take on that space, even though we couldn't really afford it at the time. So that then gave us the ability to hire another person and then another person, and it just sort of snowballed once again.
1: Do you remember, was there ever a point that you woke up and went, this is actually real, that this dream you'd kind of had and, and then obviously started the business. Well, um, I never
0: woke up because you're always awake when you're running, <laughs> when, especially those first few years. But no, I never really had that moment, I don't think. I still haven't really had that moment. It's just our reality.
1: Hmm. You just kind of go through it. One day, you'll, yeah. uh, 10 years from now, you'll step back at your, uh, your 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 real estate empire and go, oh, yeah. This yeah, is- after,
0: after the breakdown.
1: Probably. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I need a few more gray hairs. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. Um, so over those next couple of years, can you just take us through sort of the growth of your business? So you went, you had a couple of people at that point. Um, and was was it just about sort of refining the processes and trying to build work the, work the business back towards its uh, those key differentiators you talked about before, customer service and whatnot?
0: Well, it was, it was obviously about recruitment, but it was about recruiting the right type of people. So, you know, we, we, even to this day, we still do that many interviews. It's mind-blowing, but we're looking for something pretty unique in someone, of course. Um, what is that? Um, energy, passion, enthusiasm, authenticity, very basic things, I think, um, but they're essential for our business and our culture to have those qualities. Um, but we we did, we built a really great team. Um, by the end of year two, I think we're up to about six or seven people, two further sales people. Wow. Um, year three, we then took on another office space. And, you know, obviously each each one of these growth periods had its challenges, mm. um, but that we kind of followed the same philosophy, build it before they come and they will come.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. Were there any sort of, what sort of challenges did you face as you began to scale up? I mean, sure. certainly starting a, starting a business mm-hmm. is one challenge, then the next two employees and acquisitions is another challenge. What sort of, can you kind of talk us through some of the challenges that you faced as you started to ramp up the business?
0: Probably one of the biggest ones was that third expansion. So we, again, couldn't really afford it, um, and we made a call that we're going to potentially give this some attention and and take mm-hmm. this third expansion on, but I remember I called everyone up into the boardroom and we went around the room and basically just got everyone's commitment. Um, We just confirmed that they're in because Mm. this is what we're thinking about doing.
1: You're about to put all this money down. Yeah, and and we just wanted to know where everybody
0: was because you can't hold it against someone if that's not their ambition. They don't want to be there. And Anyways, we had, I I would say, everyone's perceived commitment and made the call, put down the money, and then within a few weeks of that happening, one of our top salespeople left the business. Hmm. So we were kind of left holding the baby. So that's probably one of the biggest lessons. We'll never make a decision on the basis of other people's perceived commitment.
1: Mm. If you could go back, would you still have made the same decision?
0: Well, it worked out okay. So I would probably, (laughs) but only with hindsight. (laughs) Um, But I probably wouldn't make that type of decision again under the same conditions.
1: Mm. Now- my other perception, I kind of go at when I look at yourself and I look at real estate as well too, is I've got this idea, kind of very similar to when I spoke with Andrew Vanderbeek from Illuminate, that accountancy, probably like real estate, is everybody's a little bit older, yeah, um, you know, a little bit, uh, a little bit pudgy in around the mid area kind of thing, and it's just a very sort of old industry, if you will, kind of thing, yeah, um, but. Ashford Realty is known for being young and vibrant and that sort of thing. Is that just a reflection of sort of yourself and Lily in terms of you know what you do and what you want and what sort of filters down to then um, what your clients want?
0: I think so like for us, as I said earlier, like customer service is huge for us, and that 's ingrained in the people so heavily and strongly and to be honest that 's again what you 're looking for in those interviews, and that 's probably already within the people we 've hired obviously but I mean, even Luke, our receptionist now, he's brilliant. But I remember when he first stepped into that administration front of house role, I took him upstairs after hearing a phone call and I said, that didn't sound super friendly. And I just said, who's your favorite singer? And I can't remember who he said now, James Blunt or something. And I just, from that moment on, started to say that, you know, that didn't sound like James Blunt on the phone. (laughs) You know, you, you want everyone to leave that office feeling special and, you know, important and valued. Um, are naturally ingrained in the the team.
1: Mm. And how does somebody who is hiring a salesperson um, or hiring, developing a sales team kind of thing, how do you look at them and you being their their age or maybe younger and try to sort of teach and lead um, them? What are sort of the challenges around that? It
0: is difficult because they will never see the full journey. You know, they've met you at some point in time Mm. and perhaps you already are a business owner at that time. Um, So it is difficult because we all have expectations and that that's actually something I find difficult as well every single person in the business has their own expectations of you and you can't always meet them so that can be a real challenge
1: yeah, absolutely. I suppose if, just for the people listening, just from kind of a, a tactical point of view, um, for for people, and again, you know, with entrepreneurship and it being easier than mm-hmm. ever to start a business, you know, you're seeing younger and younger people sort of going down that entrepreneurial journey. For anybody listening who is looking to start a business or starting a business and is young themselves, whatever age that might be, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be 20s, it can be young in your 30s, um, what maybe advice would you give um, that you sort of gleaned from your experience there?
0: I think take the first step because, you know, if you're focused on five, 10 steps ahead, you're just going to you're gonna do your head in and you're not going to be able to do what needs to be done now well. You know, for us, it's always been about what's the next right move? What's the next decision that needs to be made versus, oh my goodness, 10 steps in the future, mm. what, you know, it's just too much. So at least in the beginning, I would say focus on what's important now just to get to the next step. What's the next right decision?
1: Mm. Absolutely. So just focusing on yeah what whatever. So are you still looking longer term of and course, then breaking you need it to have down? Bigger picture yeah. goals and you, but then focusing. Once, well, you're always going to have
0: your vision, of course, and you would know every time you take a step whether that's in line and in the same direction of where you where you're headed. But you're not just focused on
1: that. Yeah. Now from there. Um, Icefront Realty is growing quite a bit, but uh, 2016, middle of 2016, you went through uh, quite a challenging time as well. It's pretty too. shaping time. <laughs> yeah, i love if you can take us through a little bit sure. about um, you know, what what did that look like and what happened?
0: It's funny, I remember I was it was middle it was about June 2016. I was driving to work and I just remember thinking, geez, life is good. You know, I'm thinking, nothing really bad has happened to me. I've got some beautiful family, I've got great friends, I've got this lovely business, I've got a great partner. And then it all changes. I um, I, I got invited to Arnold Schwarzenegger's home for a charity night, and it was really going to be the most exciting thing that's ever happened. So there was this build up to that, and it was about three three o'clock in the morning, and I just had this intuitive feeling. You know, like me and my partner have been together for three years, but just something was off. And I remember grabbing their phone, and it had a, a, a you know new password every week. Um, and I put their arm around me, used their fingerprint like a real crazy person, and got into the phone, and saw aI love you message from my partner to someone else. so really like my whole world fell apart
1: mm. so what happened after that?
0: Well everything fell apart I had to it was really horrible because four or five hours later, I had to get on a plane, go to the u s around you know industry friends and mm. colleagues, et cetera, and be on so It was just a horrible time because you're trying to be all these things. You haven't really got the headspace or the ability to even deal with what's just happened. Um, So, yeah, it was a really tough moment, tough period of time, that's for sure.
1: And how did that start to affect the business then? Obviously, it's, it's, I shouldn't say obviously, um, businesses Mm. connected to our lives, especially when you're running the business like that, like you were in, in the size of business as well. How did that begin to bleed across?
0: Well, my focus shifted. Like I lost my passion for Obviously, lost the passion for the business for for a period of time, and I wasn't able to be what I needed to be for everyone in the business at that time as well. Um, So that was really challenging, and the fallout from that is quite dramatic, I think, because people start to see you differently, and you can't be what you need to be. As I said before, Um, it's and I know it's something you know we all deal with this in some capacity in our lives, but you know when you're in it, you can't really see that clearly.
1: Mm. Yeah, I I think this is really important. It's certainly something um, I was want to explore with mm. yourself because this idea of us facing a challenge in life whatever it might be whether it be you know relationship or you know a passing or something like that we're, we're all going to face something some, something some another, yeah, yeah. Um, and as one of my favorite sayings goes, it's never the thing you expect it's something that blindsides yeah. you on some idle Tuesday at four o'clock um, <laughs> so from there once that happened I mean how did you start to sort of move past that was it's certainly a very challenging experience to go through were you you relying on other people were you speaking to other people trying to you know as
0: best you can like you feel I don't feel like you can be you know it's it's a unique position to be in there's only so many people that you can be open with and share what you're going through with I had a brilliant PA who is you know one of the closest people in my life I have a brilliant business partner Lily as well so I had some really cool people that were helpful um so, I mean, look, everyone has their opinion of how to deal with something. But for me, I, I really turned to the gym. Even the day I landed, I hadn't eaten you know, for three or four days. I literally ate almost nothing. But I still went to the gym and that's what I turned to. And I, I lost four or five kilos over the course of a few weeks and obviously put that back on in, in muscle. But I really liked the idea of going into a gym and... Being able to leave marginally better than when you came in. And that mm. small thing really helped me get through it. And that's also changed my life now. Like it's changed my lifestyle. It's part of my life. Um, you know, so it's not until you get to the other side of it that you realize how much good came out of these things.
1: Yeah. Was there ever a single turning point through that experience where all of us or at a moment you sort of woke up one day and went, okay, I'm, I'm kind of at the top of this hill now or the bottom of the valley starting to work my way up, or whichever direction. I or don't was know
0: it? it can be. Like, there's, still, I mean, don't, there's still times where I can't get to sleep to this day, you know, where your your head starts to get into that space, but it's less frequent. Mm. Um, you know, I kind of think with these things that the worst part of betrayal is that, you know, like there's probably five people, It's probably the best way I can explain, it, there's probably five or six people that we all have in our lives that you trust unequivocally, that you would trust with anything. But when one of those people betrays you, it kind of makes you realize what's possible, what's to stop anyone else that you hold dearly in that space from doing something that is against you or betraying you. So that's what was really hard to get through and to yeah, to get past.
1: You know, what do you think looking back now, uh, I'm sure this will change as time goes on, but what do you think looking back now was one of your biggest takeaways from that whole experience Probably. The time thereafter?
0: I really struggled to define it for a long time because I still, even to this day, couldn't bring myself to say that they're a bad person. And what I've come to now say quite comfortably is that they just had different values, you know. And I guess the good is now I know what values I'm looking for in the next person that I, you know, decide to share my life with. Mm. Um, so I think that is a really important takeaway because without that experience, I probably wouldn't have given values the attention that they deserve.
1: Mm-hmm. Um- when you were going through this transition as well, too, you mentioned the gym being a big part of it. Um, I don't know; we've talked mm-hmm. quite a bit uh, as you know, being a really healthy, productive way. But I suppose in the I suppose in the sense of just for people listening um, who maybe haven't gone through a big challenge or maybe have mm. and are still struggling to get out of it, we talk about fitness being a big thing and it's something I'll advocate as well. Too, as being critical um, for myself as well through my challenging periods. But when you started going to the when you were going through that period, were you? searching out different ways to sort of find new habits and and, and, and things to, to get you out of that funk? To be
0: honest, yeah. I think, well, I often say that what starts in one reason continues for another and my motivation in the beginning was probably more, stuff you, I'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, But that's not a healthy yeah. space to remain in and it certainly didn't continue for that reason. You know, I got the hindsight of the perspective and, you know, started doing it for myself.
1: Mm. Do you feel that when you came out of that experience, that um, beyond being able to have a, a bit of a greater sense of um, your values and, and what they're for people, how else how else do you feel it's changed you for the better?
0: I can relate to people differently now because, as I said before, like in some ways, I've lived in a bubble. You know, nothing. Mm. I've had a consistent growth in our business. I've got great people around me. I love life. So I even feel now I'm able to relate to people not going through the same thing, but anyone that's gone through some sort Mm. of loss or they're struggling with something. Um, I told a story recently, um, where a woman came into our office and she was one of our tenants and she was chatting with one of our leasing girls. And I was only standing back. I wasn't talking to her, but She was bawling her eyes out and I heard her explain that, you know, partners just walked out on her and she doesn't know what to do. And I thought about her for the rest of the day because I just didn't like the way the conversation went or where it was left at. And I had this strong urge the whole day. I need to chat with this girl. So I I called Stacey, who was our property uh, property manager, um, department manager, I should say. And I said, can I please have that tenant's number? And I didn't even know what I was going to say. And I just rang her and said, Nikki, it's Ash. I saw you today. We didn't speak. But... um, I heard what you're going through and I just want to say I've been through a similar thing. I promise you all to get better. Um, here's my direct number. If I can help with anything, please call me. And I thought nothing more of it. And then my business partner a few days later was at one of her properties doing renovations and the neighbor or someone ran across the road and said, do you know Ash? And she said, yes, that's my business partner. And she goes, I just have to tell you, um, Ash made a phone call to my friend the other night and it saved her life. Wow. And... When Lily told me that, I just got chills because I remember how strong that feeling was of needing to do something and I guess, you know, I talk about intuition a lot, but it's a really good example of it and that's something that's come out of this as well. You know, listening to your intuition, it's so important and it's so easy to miss the signs or to ignore the signs that we all get.
1: Mm, I think that's a, I'm really happy you told that story because if there's something I'm seeing sort of as kind of a reoccurring theme to yourself is that intuition. You didn't necessarily have the knowledge necessarily, but you followed your intuition. Just to dive deeper into that, uh, has intuition, your intuition been something you've been aware of as uh, a real um, compass for you making decisions?
0: Probably never. and So probably only the last few years that I've developed the language for it, but I think that we've always operated from that place to the point of, Interviews, i never looked at a resume. I've never read a resume that someone's handed in. It's always gut feeling and, you know, does this feel right? And if it does, then we'll obviously proceed.
1: Mm. I think this is something for myself. I know I'm focusing more on in terms of intuition. um, And the language I I use around it is just in terms of, you know, I meditate a lot. So this idea between the conscious, subconscious, and we're very much in our front brain, you know, trying to overthink and analyze, which is how things. we're taught, exactly. Yeah, yeah, but there's, I think, a tremendous amount of untapped power in your in your subconscious, and that mm-hmm. manifests itself. What people I refer to as yeah, as intuition. Um, so, trying to use that, whereas in the past, yeah, I've been very much trying to be analytical, trying to analyze. Yes. But if I think. If I think back at it, um, it's probably led me to a paralysis state. Yes. Um, and it's a danger, isn't it? It yeah. is. And I, I don't think it's as productive as well too in terms of actually and I've I've talked about this before and it'll it's it's becoming an ever growing theme as I think about it. But my my big failing in life hasn't been any one single event. Mm-hmm. I can look back to, you know, putting all this money on something or starting this big business. I've lived a fairly safe risk adverse life. Yeah. A level life. Exactly. But I think as I think back more and I ponder and meditate on this idea, that actually is my greatest failing that I've never failed. Um, And by, Mm -hmm. By trusting my gut a bit more and being okay with it, still, I still agree there needs to be some level of analyticness. I can't just Absolutely. like, yeah, I'll yeah. put all my money on Reddit, and <laughs> yeah. let it ride, you know. But but trying to sort of follow that gut and yeah. say, like, okay, what is my gut trying to tell me? Okay, tell me to do this. Let me put a bit of an analytical framework around it. Let me try to vet that out. Try to yes. understand it a bit. Um, but then you know, kind of go with that a bit more. So I think that I think that's um, that's great, and I'm happy you told that story. And I it's, think it's
0: an interesting vein of thinking because I mean, it's that challenge of it's it's a lot of. Eastern and Western philosophy. And mm-hmm. when you try and apply, I think, Eastern philosophy to business, it often doesn't work. I mean, the <laughs> principles are so off. So, it's for us, it's always trying to find that balance of the two.
1: Which is ironic given that, yeah. It's ironic, yeah. One, one particular way kind of thing and one is sort of... Uh, Capitalist, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, looking back on the Ashwan Realty journey for yourself, um, I know we've spoken a bit about that it can come off as quite a, a romantic endeavor as well, mm-hmm. too. But um, as much as it's romanticized, there are some some things you have to give up, and it's not always as picturesque as we're sort of led to believe. Them. Absolutely, can go through a little bit more in terms of your thoughts around that.
0: I mean, it's business; just is it's constant sacrifice and compromise with with no guarantees either. I think you've really got to ask yourself, why am I doing it? If it's for the money, it's probably not. It's probably <laughs> not the thing to do, especially in the real estate space, anyways. You could certainly earn more money as a salesperson, but I think it's what fulfills you really. Like that wouldn't have fulfilled me. So there's no regrets about that. But, you know, to touch on what you said about sacrifice, that's just a continuing thread that's run through our business. I think back to the first year we opened, I'd never had a new car and you know, I finally had the, finally was in a position to get one. I had I'd even bought the car. And it was coming from. It was a jeep, and it was coming <laughs> on a boat. And I was. It was the thing I was looking forward to. It was the first real visual, solid representation of the journey. you somewhere. made it. So you've I've kind made of, it. Yeah. And at the same time, we were trying to get a new salesperson across. And what ended up happening as part of the agreement to get him to make the decision was that he wanted a new car, and I ended up giving him that car to drive as part of the agreement. And, I mean, obviously it worked out well, but that is that is what business is. It's, it's, it's constant sacrifice.
1: Mm. So, you kind of already answered this, but just to go a bit deeper, though, why do you do it then?
0: Why do I do business? Yeah. It's it's obviously what fulfills me. Like, I love being creative. What, what about it? Yeah. Um, I love the independence. So, you know, as I said earlier on, we did have, a I guess, a culture before we even had a business or at least a belief as to what our culture would be. So when all that is what is exciting you, mm. that is why we are doing it. Yeah.
1: So from there, uh, I think that's a great segue into to to the future of Martin mm-hmm. and Ash Martin Realty. Um, what does the future look like for for you then?
0: What well, was actually, I mean, just to touch on two thousand and sixteen last year. I was going to say I just had to pause then. Um, <laughs> in November last year, um, we bought a commercial real a commercial space um, about a k away from where our current office is. So. Our vision is to convert that into a lifestyle office. So really offering a a space like no other real estate company has offered before. We want to have childcare from it. Um, it backs onto a creek. So it's going to have that mm. real casual, fun vibe about it. And our intention is to move our team into that that premises and that become our headquarters.
1: Mm. And I hate to ask them perhaps an obvious question, but, but but why? But why create a lifestyle office? I mean... Yeah, why?
0: Because business has changed. Like I don't think, it's, it's no longer about you be here from nine to five. I think balance is essential now and it's almost expected, especially, I hate even saying the word younger generation, but that's kind of where it's come from, that yeah. idea of balance. So to be able to provide an environment that is cohesive to success in every meaning of the word, I think that's only going to benefit us all.
1: Reminds me of saying, I believe, and that's the the thinking that got you to where you are isn't the thinking that's going to get you to the next step. Absolutely. And I very much look at, again, Andrew from Illuminate's story as well, too, is that the the thinking that's brought accountancy or real estate or marketing or insert X, whatever it is, podcasting, um, whatever thinking got everybody or you to this point isn't going to be the thinking that moves you further as well, too. Um, And the thing I love about your story is you, you come very, I think, unencumbered from... Uh, from your background, from the industry you're in, essentially. You had enough to understand it and to get sort of the, the technical aspects down, but not so much you didn't spend 15, 20 years in, you know, an agency and kind of go, that's the way it's always been. Yes, And that becomes a competitive advantage and where I always encourage people as much as we've talked about entrepreneurism uh, entrepreneurialism as obviously sacrifice, but at the same time, maybe – if you don't have the experience, I mean, an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. let's just talk about just life in general. Maybe your lack of experience, like you said, is, is, a value add. is your value add. Yeah. How can you look at things differently? How can you look at things um, at a fresh perspective new? Certainly, there's still a level of technical element, no doubt about that. But yeah. at the same time, I think people overplay how important that is versus... The, th- yeah. the new ways creatively. We thinking. place
0: so much value. It's kind of what you were saying before, but we place so much value on education, and you know, you go to university for four years, and that's what makes you qualified or yeah. you know, valid to be able to speak about a certain thing. When there's probably a lot more value in just taking action yeah. and living it firsthand right now. Yeah,
1: and again, something that I think has been a big learning for me. I know looking back, even to my first interview with uh, uh, Jason Price, he very much said, and he's called me out on it as as he should have, as I'm I'm a lot of aiming, not a lot of shooting, um, <laughs> and uh, and trying to get to that point in my life now where leaning into the to the shooting, leaning yep. into the listening to the subconscious, um, and and just trying to take more action at this point than trying to overthink it and just be yeah. comfortable with. What might come? Because, like I said, um, maybe maybe it's not the right opportunity. Maybe whatever I lean into isn't the right thing. But who knows what comes after that? And maybe that is something that could be greater than my wildest dreams, or could yeah. fast track me to achieve what do I want to achieve, or, or satisfy what do I want to do? Yeah. But through means maybe I didn't know. So I think there's a tremendous amount of wisdom there. So from there, uh, we want to get into the rapid fire questions. Sure. Are you ready to go? Mm-hmm. So the first question is, is what book has most changed your life? I'd love if you could place this as to where you read it and what context did it change everything?
0: Well, oh, it's one you just never put down. The Power of Now, I think it is, is a brilliant book yeah. and I think it's brilliant for salespeople. I think it's great for anyone actually because especially as a salesperson, to be able to identify what is motivating you and what is driving the decisions and the reactions that you're having can be life-changing. So that is one book I'd encourage everyone to read. If you have, most, I mean, most people have, but it is brilliant.
1: Oh well, look, the thing is, is I think you were probably the, I'll say fourth or fifth mm-hmm. person in a row with maybe one break who's actually mentioned that book. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard of it, but uh, or up until very recently. But um, I, I think before I was going to get it, but now I'm actually. You like, should get it. I need yes, to get, get it now. Get I, was, it. I think I was get away from it. How many signs do you but... need, Dustin? Yeah, yeah no, exactly. There is everything's pointing that way. Um. I suppose for yourself, just to kind of go through, was it, the, was it the context just in terms of just helping you to understand then exactly what you want? I would just
0: say it's awareness. You know, like when you have a reaction to something, to actually have the the words to, or even the the language to explain what that thought is or where it's coming yeah. from. You know, that's just the ego. That's why I'm having that reaction. And it's quite empowering. Mm. It can really get you centered before you do have a, maybe an intense
1: conversation with someone,
0: helps you keep perspective. Um, I found it very helpful.
1: Yeah, brilliant. Um Who's been the greatest influencer in your life growing up? And it could be somebody you didn't mm. know or some other prominent figure.
0: I'll say this: it wasn't someone growing up, but when I did the real estate course, two thousand and six or seven, um, there was a woman there, and she just made me feel so capable. Like she, I didn't have much self belief at all, and I don't know what she saw, but the way she made me feel and what I what she made me feel I was capable of mm. really inspired me to actually take action and make sure I got that interview. Um, she actually passed away a few years ago, which was very sad, but she was someone that really altered my mindset and again, helped me on this path for sure.
1: Was there any uh, one or two particular things that she said or did? that? Yeah, that really she pushed me. I
0: think I even failed one of the first assignments and I was going to just give up because that was a headspace I was in. Couldn't be bothered. And she encouraged me to just give it a crack. You, you've got that thing, Ash. You've got that thing. She would say, mm. "That thing," and I even say that now. I'm just as I'm saying it, I'm realizing where that's come from. But you've got that thing, and it's that thing you look for in salespeople. people. So
1: that sort of um, like that, that that that
0: authenticity, that energy, whatever that is. But mm. she made me feel that and see that in myself, which, as I said, it it, it really sh- shifted me.
1: Absolutely. Um, what gives you a disproportionate return um, on investment of your time and energy?
0: Probably travel. I love traveling. And just for other perspectives. I mean, it's such a generic answer, I know. But, you know, seeing the way other people live and what's important to other communities and other people, that's really interesting. Mm. You know, it helps you put things into perspective when you come home and you see someone's problem. Um, I think it even helps you help them when you can really break it down and put it into perspective.
1: Absolutely. I would echo the same thing as well too. I think um, I know myself in 2010, I would have been about uh, 21. Um, I went through something quite dramatic in my life and I went traveling and again, I was very much in a bubble. I think we all live in a bubble to Mm -hmm. a certain extent, um, whether we're aware of it or not, how big it is or how small it is, but that ability to sort of break out of it and to be able to take your truths—I'm doing air quotes—these mm-hmm. things that we fundamentally believe are correct, and to be able to challenge it against seeing how other people live and think in their bubbles, yes. um, it's amazing how all of a sudden these things you think are so ingrained and so innate and so true so in true, life yeah. are all of a sudden maybe not as true as we originally thought.
0: It's pretty shaping, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Um, and even going to—I went to Latin America, so going through you know amazing. Guatemala and yeah. you know staying with people who were incredibly poor, but the happiest people I'd ever met. And then with very back, little. Yeah, and yeah. flying back to Canada, which is an incredibly prosperous country, <laughs> and just being surrounded by these you know, miserable people going, hang on a sec. Um something is wrong, wrong. Yeah. Something's wrong. Yeah. And just asking that question um regardless of the right answer is mm-hmm. an incredible path. Um that being said, what mantra or inspirational quote has most changed your life, and why? And I'd love if you could place this as to where you first heard it.
0: I'll give you two. Um, there was a brain. I think she was a brain surgeon. I think her name was um, Jill Taylor. But she she had an accident. She was in a coma, and she taught, the, the quote is, "You're responsible for the energy you bring into this space." And I really love that um, because she she basically said that even though that she was comatose, she could feel the energy of people, mm. and I think there's something really powerful in that. And the second one is you get what you see. And I know that could be interpreted so many ways, but the way I interpret it is that, for instance, if you saw someone that had a very negative orientation towards the world, that's what they see, you know. Mm. So it's all about the lens you see the world through. Absolutely. If you can look at it positively, that's what you're going to get, and that's what's going to manifest. So I just love that quote.
1: Yeah, I think that's I think that's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Or something that's yeah, incredibly important to me. I'm curious as well too. Um, you are very well known, and every time I've ever obviously talked to you or hung out with you, um, you are a very positive, very high energy person. Do you have times when you're maybe not?
0: Oh don't my bring goodness, them? yes.
1: <laughs> what do you What do you do to sort of help? Um, manage that get perspective that. Yeah. you
0: know i think the times that you feel you know you might feel a bit weaker there are times you're buying into things that aren't healthy you know you're you're focusing more on the way that you're perceived and those sorts of things and that's not helpful at all so i think it's just getting grounded thinking about what really matters getting some clarity about where you're going again and that always gets me back on track
1: is it just a matter of then if you sort of catch yourself in that sort of negative or low energy to then just sort of go through a bit of that thought process? I think it's helpful.
0: I mean, again, having the awareness is helpful because yeah. I, I do mean, think the, <laughs> the mind's super powerful. You can make a decision like that to be excited. And there are times I'll be driving a bit flat. I think, hold on a minute, you're alive, you've got legs. Mm. You know, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's actually <laughs> it's what way. gets you through the gym sometimes. Like if you're doing you know, leg raises, for instance, sometimes I think, Jesus, if I had to tell a paralyzed person right now that yeah. I can't do five more, you, you, you know, and that's yeah. what motivates me to keep going.
1: Yeah, no, it reminds me of a reminds me of a uh, um, a uh, picture I got off the internet, kind of that same thing. Actually, I might I might actually put it up as well too. Um, I can't articulate nearly as much, mm. so I won't try at this point. But um, <laughs> uh, if you could give a twenty minute TED talk, it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. as long, but say just some TED talk or a speech or something that you're maybe not well known about. Um, but very passionate about, or very knowledgeable about, or or think people need to hear. Mm-hmm. What would that be?
0: I think it would be five minutes, and it would be on intuition. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, And yeah. I suppose can you give us a bit of a synopsis of what you think would be the important things of that are? I think we've talked a lot about that, but well, just it's so. Like
0: easy. We live in such a loud world. We've got so many distractions. We've got people. You know, we're so accessible now as well. It's pretty rare up, up until the moment I think you're about to go to sleep that you are actually present. If you're, even then, if you're lucky, your mind's still probably racing. So. Just bringing it back home, getting some clarity, getting still and listening to that thing. If you can consciously do that, I think you will see signs and see things in your life that really are there to warn you in a sense, all the things that you should be conscious of that yeah. might, yeah, might help you. So it would be on, definitely on intuition.
1: I think that's great. I'll do, uh, I'll do a TED Talk just after that about trying to create that silence and putting <laughs> yeah. the cell phones down because, yeah, we, our, our world is so, so, so noisy now. It's... Yeah. Um, and there's just so much stimulation and the rewiring of our brains to sort of create yes. that stimulation. Yeah, we, we've, I think we've gotten so far away Too from far. creating some silence in our life to actually listen to, mm-hmm. listen to that. Um, yeah, I feel like we're just on the surface, just looking at a very murky pond, and need just oh, still yes. the waters and let everything settle, and then you can really see and yeah. actually see the intuition. But we'll do, we'll do, a, do a TED talk. Um, <laughs> so I suppose you know, with everything given that we've discussed about today. I'd love if you could maybe, looking back, if we could hop in a time machine and you could send a message back to um, young Ash Martin, whatever age it might be, and give him a message or an idea or maybe a message you want to send out to somebody else who's you know younger and, and sort of maybe about to embark on a similar journey. Some piece of wisdom or some piece of insight to not make the journey easier, not to maybe change it, sorry, not to change the journey, um, but maybe to make it easier and a bit more bearable. What do you think that might be?
0: I wouldn't give them any insight.
1: Yeah,
0: I think it's those challenges that shape you and you know give you this hind- this this perspective that you have at whatever point in time. So I would say it'll be fine. <laughs> it's going to be tough, and I would probably just say something that would freak them out. <laughs> Watch out for something in two
1: thousand and like January eighth two thousand twelve kind of thing. Uh-huh, gotcha. Yeah. yeah no fantastic Ash, it's been an absolute pleasure man thank you so much thank for your you Dustin I appreciate this is, uh, it it's been absolutely thank incredible um, just for everybody um, that wants to stay stay up to date with obviously all the things that you're doing mm-hmm. when they can where can they uh, where can they find you in the world of the internet
0: well just Instagram Ash Martin A-S-H-M-A-R-T-O-N or Facebook anywhere. I'm always happy to help if I can
1: Absolutely. And I definitely encourage everybody, um, you know, reach out to Ash on, uh, on Facebook. I'm not just saying that because you're in front of me, but um, that video that you put up that from that um, that uh, story you told us earlier about the, the lady and reaching mm-hmm. out to her. I think, um, you know, our Facebooks, uh, our social media are so full of crap these mm-hmm. days. My, mine included as well, too. I'm trying to cultivate some positivity and some amazing insights. Um, I think it's so important. So I definitely encourage everybody to reach out, um, you know, follow along. But uh, Ash, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Awesome, Dustin. Hi everyone, and thank you again for joining me for today's chat. Please make sure you jump on Facebook to quickly like and share this podcast episode. If you're not already following me, please take another quick minute to hit that like button so you can stay up to date with all new podcast episodes, exciting announcements, and other things going on. You can find me on Facebook at ProjectY2, that's at ProjectY and the number 2, and you can also follow me on LinkedIn if you're there. Don't forget to share and rate this. On wherever you find your podcast episodes, and I look forward to having you join me again for our next Y2 podcast.